You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling out to the helping spirits to be with us. So I call out to your ancestors and to mine. I call out to those ancestral helping spirits who bring all that is good and true and beautiful from the legacy of those who have gone before us and bring it into our lives so we, the living, might lean into that knowledge. We may be informed as we go forward and not make the same mistakes again. May we learn from those who have gone before us And have the courage and the creativity and the inspiration to innovate where things need to change and need to be done in new ways. And may these ancestral helping spirits help us to have the wisdom and the discernment to know the difference. And help us to reach deeply into that legacy to find the courage to do what it is our time is calling of us. And I call out to these ancestors to gathered round as we all reach through these human ancestors to those non-human ancestors, to all the rest of life that is here on earth that was here long before any of it dreamt up a human. So let us reach out to those non-human ancestors and recognize them as our even more ancient ancestors. Open up to their wisdom as well. And we call out to these energies of our natural world of this great web of life and ask these energies to help us to remember our own true nature. To express ourselves in the world with that absolutely fearless blossoming that we see in the springtime around us. And let us learn to let go of what no longer serves us for those who are in fall. And watching the leaves simply drop that which has done what it was here to do. We ask these spirits of nature to help us to understand our own true nature and move fearlessly into becoming the blessing that we were meant to be in the great web of life. And as all of these ancestral helping spirits, human and not human, join us here today, we give profound gratitude for their presence and turn to our own responsibility now to call ourselves in from wherever we might be into our mind. And let our awareness in our mind drop down into our heart. And with the next breath, let the awareness in our heart drop down into our bellies. And from this place, let us stop for just a moment and do one single thing. Let us reach out to the earth herself and give gratitude for this day. This gratitude and wonder for life itself and give thanks for the beauty and the diversity along the path. For all of the challenges that are turning you into the true person that you came here to be. And for all that we call family, however we define that, who celebrate uh, our successes and our awakenings and our new understandings. We give gratitude to the earth for the wonder of life as we begin to send our energy down into the earth through all the layers of the earth, giving gratitude as we go. And as we give thanks to the earth for home, for this place that we live out our life's journey, let us reach deep down to the very center and anchor ourselves firmly there. Let us validate each day our choice to be grounded, to be present in our body and here on this planet as we ground ourselves into the earth in a way that is fluid and flexible and allows us to move and change and breathe with the day. So as we reach down there in the center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly, let us tune in to those energies deep, nourishing, and restorative energies that draw their strength and power straight out of the darkness, out of stillness and silence. These things that allow the richness to come into our life through dreams and journeys, visualizations, 
all those things that we begin by closing our eyes. Let us begin to open our awareness to the profound power and restorative genius that comes from the dark as we reach deeply into the energy of the earth and draw the earth energies up, drawing them up through all the layers of the earth into our belly, our heart, and our mind. And we call out to these energies of the earth to help us to understand where we stand, who we are in that stance, and what we stand for. Let us feel in our heart what has true purpose, what has heart and meaning, and to shape our sense of home and belonging from those energies. Let us set our table in a way that is open to those who are different than we are and open the door to those who have um, less than we are or who are different. And we let call this otherness into our life with intention and lean into that discomfort to be around those that would challenge us to become better versions of who we are. And as we learn to be with diversity in this way, may we become better able to be with the diversity within ourselves, to come into better relationship with our environment, with the people around us, and ultimately with the invisible world. And as we come into right relationship with these many things, that create the web of association of our life. Let us begin to feel into that great life web of oneness and feel our place in that web, essential and insignificant. And from that paradoxical awareness, may we come into the true right relationship with ourself. And with this possibility in this day, with the restoration and nourishment rising up from the energies of the earth, let's focus our awareness up as we let our consciousness rise up through the sky, out through the atmosphere, and out into the cosmos, reaching all the way to the highest power of the universe by whatever way you know this energy. However you name it or conceive of it, reach out to it and connect with it and begin to draw this energy down. Drawing it down through all the layers of the sky and calling into yourself, calling into these proceedings, calling into this day the profound essence energy of blessings, the benevolence of our universe and the inherent protection that exists in this energy. Call this energy into our bodies and open up to inspiration and illumination and the beneficence of this universe. Let us align ourselves with the greater universal truths and let them nourish and sustain us as we find the innovation to walk our path. And so as we send this golden energy down from our head to our heart to our belly and down to the center of the earth, take a moment in your imagination and feel these two great legendary lovers, the earth and sky, coming together within you. This great channel of energy, this big cosmic love, this love that is legend. And let it awaken the spirit of your own human heart here for this very short time as the living let us make sure this time is used well and so let your heart awaken let the crucible of transformation that lives in your heart awaken and draw up on purpose the fiery passions of your belly that that live in your belly it is your job to come to understand why you are here and call down the crystal clarity of your mind. It is your job to learn and come to understand how are you going to do what it is that you came here to do in this time. And let these two energies, so very different in their own nature, dance a wild tango there in your heart in that crucible of transformation. So in that dynamic tension, they can give birth to that third and most sacred thing, that heart memory that arises of why you are here, what it is you have come here to do. And may you find courage in that very same human heart to do something in this day. Yes, today, when you're listening to this podcast, do something in this day, large or small, to bring your unique gifts and your soul's purpose into the world. And for the profound diversity and abundance of help that we all have to do what we have come here to do, I am deeply grateful. May what needs to be said be said, and what needs to be heard be heard. And may these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things. I want to give special gratitude to Julie and Kevin. These are people that have donated financially to keep Why Shamanism Now live and available for free on the internet. So I give thanks to John and Ibrahim, to Jenna, 
to Michelle, to all of you who donate regularly because you set up a little automatic payment in your own uh, PayPal account. Um, a gratitude to those of you that have been long-standing donators to Why Shamanism Now and those of you that are random and sporadic to all the help that we receive to keep the show live and on the air. I'm deeply grateful. Why Shamanism Now is listener-supported. For those of you that are listening for the first time, and all that I ask is for those of you that find yourself moved by this show, moved into inspiration and passion, or moved into irritation and frustration, however it is that you find yourself moved, know that you've been moved in the heart, and please do that most um, essential shamanic act, which is allowing that which moves you in the heart to motivate your actions in the world, and do something, uh, financial or otherwise, to help the show to grow in your own life in your own circles, uh, in the world. And for all that you are doing, financial and otherwise, we are deeply grateful for all of it. For those of you that wonder how you might do this, you can go to whyshamanismnow.com, click the support button and scroll down. You can donate any amount, large or small. If you're not happy with the whole paying through the internet thing, you're welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and I'll give you a regular address for a regular old-fashioned check. And thank you for all of it. So today, uh, we are live. So you are welcome to call in uh, if you have questions about today's topic. And today's topic is exploring the question of are we humans through our actions affecting or morphing or somehow changing the spirit world? And if we are doing that, uh, what should we do about that? Is that a good thing or is it a problem and what might we do about that? And so our guest today to continue this conversation is Kelly Harrell. Welcome, Kelly. Hello. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for being here. So for those of you that don't know, this show began six months ago. The first part of this show is just exploring this idea of how uh, we might be affecting things and how we, we are noticing what we think is the fact that we are affecting the spirit world mostly in not so good ways. Um, so for those of you that don't know, you could just go to the Why Shamanism Now page. This will be the easiest way to find the show. Go to the guests and just click on Kelly Harrell's name, K-E-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-R-E-L-L. And you'll see all the shows that we have with Kelly and you'll be able to find part one of this show. Okay, so part two is that Kelly and I kind of challenged ourselves to uh, explore this issue, whatever we want to call it, more deeply. Um, mm -hmm. and, be and before I get too carried away here, let me, let me connect all of you to Kelly. If you don't know, Kelly's work, her writing as an author, her work as a practitioner, her work um, in person and at a distance, her online communities, all of the many things that uh, her rune readings, all the, the many things that she is offering to the world, both in person and at a distance, can be found at Soul Intent Arts. Dot com S O U L Soul Intent I N T E N T Arts A R T S Soul Intent Arts dot com or you can also connect with Kelly's books and get there through other links uh, through Kelly Harrell dot com and it's also the easiest way to reach her is just go through the contact pages on those websites. Oh, and I forgot if you do want to call in and if you have questions about our topic, you can call in at five one two. 772-1938 or you can Skype in live from the co-creatornetwork.com site. There's a Skype button. Um, and then of course you can always email me or Kelly with questions you have from today's show at any time. And my email again is Christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Okay. So Kelly, thanks for coming back. Uh, in our last episode, our fearless shamanic practitioners... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, in our last episode, we committed to circling back to this idea. And so why don't we start and just take a moment. I'm going to let you just kind of recap what we were talking about um, because it launched a whole bunch of other things. Um, but would you just start by sharing again that um, experience of, of, of kind of recognizing how we were morphing spirit, if you will, and just what you observed in that? I want to say foremost that that last show was deeply cathartic for me. And, and 
I got a lot of emails and calls based on that show of people saying the same thing. So I really want to thank you for being willing to host a show that tackles difficult subjects. I mean, even in the shamanic realm, it's not always easy to talk about what's going on in the world and what's going on in how we are personally affecting or maybe not affecting what's going on in the world. So I, I, I just I got a tremendous amount out of that show, and I wanted to thank you for that. Well, um, thank you, Kelly. Yeah, but I think I think maybe the best summary is that we do affect what's going on in the spirit world, and and maybe better is what we don't do has radical impact on how the spirit world can interact with us. And I think that's a, a harsh lesson in an audience of people who just, just have assumed it's going to be there. It's historically been there. Um, and so we just assume it will continue to be, despite the fact that our personal lives, our physical mundane realities have become ridiculously challenged. And, and in hindsight, it's kind of silly to assume that if it's rippling that deeply for us, that it isn't also um, having a tremendously harsh effect on the spirit world also. And and particularly the aspects of the spirit world or the manifestations that are closest to us and, and sort of can't get away right. from us. <laughs> you know, it's like the spirits of the right. land are forced by the nature of these relationships to be with us all the time, every day, regardless of how we behave. Whereas other sort of more classic helping spirits can retreat from us. Spirits of the land can't. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I was recently asked to write a chapter in an anthology, kind of a general um, exploration of modern shamanism. And at first I thought, uh oh, because you know usually these projects are yay shamanism. They're not mm -hmm. willing to um, to explore what we're doing and what needs to be done still. And so my my topic was exactly that. You know what what have we done to the middle world? I mean, if, if mm -hmm. you use that sort of triple world vernacular. You know, whatever your understanding of the spiritual layer of what's right immediately around you, um, how have we avoided it? And what has that what toll has that avoidance taken on our practice, on our humanity, on everything? And I think that, um, you know, because I spent an inordinate amount of time researching for the encyclopedia, which was a fairly... Mm -hmm academic pursuit, really, um, which completely belittles the amount that it actually changed my practice and how I <laughs> practiced, right? But it was right. still reading, you know, it was still reading and research and writing. Um, but I think what a lot of people don't get, because it's not sexy and it doesn't directly relate to you becoming a shaman, right, is <laughs> shamanic cultures, and the requirements on every adult within these cultures to be a certain way to avoid having this kind – as I see it now, you know, many years into this, to avoid having this detrimental effect on the middle exactly. world. I mean, I mean the, the – you know, I feel like the way shamanic people are, are talked about by contemporary people is, is very dismissive as if they were primitives and, you know, they couldn't even understand how to build a toaster. It's like, well, right. maybe they, under, you know, maybe they had a really sophisticated understanding of the problem that would happen when we started generating our le electricity, you know, through nuclear power. <laughs> maybe they thought right. toasters weren't worth it, you know, or exactly. uh, you know, the, the sophistication of their understanding about the intricate relationship between human beings and the middle world, just to use that vernacular, was huge. And that you, you, you had to, you to be considered an adult, and thus have the rights and privileges of an adult, you had to maintain yourself relative to the invisible world in a good way. And that was for ordinary people. Right. You know, and, and we're, most people that call, you know, name themselves shamans or shamanic practitioners aren't even doing 
the level of engagement that ordinary people were required to do in ancient times for precisely this reason that we're talking about. That's um, that's okay. So in order to say what I really want to say, I have to almost unsay something I've been saying for a really long time, which is mm-hmm. kind of what you just said. Um, for whatever reason, um, whether it's a erroneous or sheer ignorance on the part of Western modern shamanism, um, we have kind of relegated it to the same healing modalities that we would consider self-help. It's been put in the same bowl as self-help healing modalities. And the problem with that is we get stuck in this idea of the wounded healer. We, we I mean, you know, the, the whole calling to this, if, if we're, we're all having the same conversation, the whole calling to this is some sort of initiation, which is, you know, usually by default not pleasant. That's part of what makes it an initiation. So there's some sort of um, wound or trauma involved. But it, it what I have observed, and, and this is kind of an observation I didn't want to make after the show that you and I last did, it, that that as a movement, modern shamanism is stuck in that bowl of initiation. We just have kind of gotten really comfortable with it being a self-help modality, which means we aren't finishing the initiation. Mm-hmm. We aren't ever bringing it to closure. And if we're not bringing it to closure, then we're not serving a community. I could not agree with you more. And I, I, I think that that it, that the the idea of the journey of the wounded healer has even begun to morph also to support continuing to behave that way. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. in a simple way to say it would be is for me to be a healer, I have to stay wounded is what it really amounts to. And whereas the, 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 the story, you know, the short story of initiation is it's only through the completion of he, my finding my way through my own forest, you know, through my own scary land, my own woundedness, by finding my way right. through that I gain the capacity to interpret things properly or accurately to help others through their forest. It's not and about staying wounded. No shortcut. No shortcut. And it doesn't matter how much money you paid for somebody's quote unquote initiatory weekend. If the function <laughs> of initiation didn't happen for you, you didn't get initiated. I don't care how many times you do that weekend and how much you pay for it. It doesn't matter. The spirit world doesn't care what you paid right. for it or that somebody that said Having the experience of, of moving through your own forest is is necessary. It's not optional. There's no right. avoidance in this path. And we've, we've kind of come to this place where we can, you know, just because we can slip into this ecstatic space and engage the trees and fairies and higher beings or whatever, there's, there's kind of a bypass that we can not deal with the physicality, with the whole middle world sort of spectrum of, you know, however that fits in your cosmology. And, and that's far from it. I mean, our cellularly, we are that world. We don't get to skip it. We have to move through the initiations of that world and our personal space in order to really understand what the hell we're doing with the rest of it. And after, after your last show, it really just was a kick in the pants, I think, to, to, to get your shit straight, to, to put it bluntly. We need you. You can't be here if you're still stuck in that initiation. And, and mm-hmm. it's critical right now that we Absolutely. all show up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, that, and, and like you said, and that we, oh, it's like we settle in and stop reaching and settle into yeah. that calling that brought us into this in the first place and walk the path. That is yours only to walk. And frankly, you probably have to walk it alone. I mean, you know, it's just it, it, what, what we've become. An, another thing that I've noticed is we've become these highly skilled wounded children. 
And we have these profound shamanic skills, and yet those internal wounds remain, and we're developing just like comes a great deal out of some aspects of psychotherapy, this idea that we'll always be wounded, we'll always have a wounded child. Instead of the recognition that the fundamental transformation and initiation is you give that up to reach for something else, someone else that you could be. And it doesn't mean that you're still not having to cope with life. Oh, yeah. Life, you know, doesn't stop dealing you harsh blows. You still have to stay in that between space and be who you genuinely are in in both of them at once. That is the calling. That is the job. Yes, and it's precisely if you're identifying with shamanism, because many of the different cultural words for the functionary that we call shaman was the person who has their foot in both worlds. Not one world. <laughs> both worlds. Right. Simultaneously. And that is not an easy thing to do. And and the challenge of it just continues as you grow in it, if you're growing in it. It does. It does. The idea, and you and I have talked about this before, the idea that there's one wound. <laughs> that mm-hmm. I mean, just it's kind of romanticized. There's this idea that you have this one initiatory wound that leads you to shamanism and you... You do the dance, and then you're done, and everything is fine, and mm-mm, no. Yeah. And, you know, and I can say on this topic, from my own experience, I, I did have a very distinct initiatory experience that had a lot to do with the woundedness piece of initiation, and yet on the other side in terms of really feeling like I'm manifesting my soul's purpose and really, really bringing it to the world, I've killed myself almost twice (laughs) you know and and gone through this entirely different kind of initiation at least twice it's extremely painful that is is that that um the fact as you're saying that we still have to do it here in this world it's not about ascending and connecting with the aliens and letting the aliens come in and save the planet (laughs) it's our planet right (laughs) <laughs> the new age has done us no favors in that regard. Um, one of the things we talked with talked about recently in with my intensive people, um, the idea that all you have to do is be present, that if you can just master being present without even ever really defining what that is, but if you can do it, then everything will be fine, and the present is wonderful. And your your ability to to get there, to be there, to stay observant, is what makes all the difference in being able to sort of circumvent all the crummy things that happen in life. But really, the opposite is true. The present is where you begin to realize all the things that are on your plate that that do have to be faced and soothed and released. And at least well, at first, it doesn't feel great. Right. That's initiation. And it periodically doesn't feel great again. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. And, but, but like you said, you know, the whole point of becoming present is to actually be in reality of the moment. And then you can yeah. actually see reality for what it is and then have the big oh shit and realize, oh, my wounds <laughs> were in my own awareness. The, the reality needs my medicine here in the reality of the world, which I can only begin to conceive of. And bring my medicine too. If I'm in the moment, it's a lot of work to get in the moment and be present. But yeah. it's only yeah. once we've done that we can actually see what needs to change here. Which is, you know, back to the whole part of the frustration that happened for me in the six months between these two shows is really wanting to extend the show out as a platform for um, shamanic activism and finding quickly that everybody had exactly the same thing to say, which was, yes, there's this great potential for activism through the the shamanic skill set for those who can be present in the moment and actually see the reality of what we need to attend to and how we might do that. But everybody needs to do their personal work first. And every single Mm. show kept being about, do your personal work first. I'm like, what the hell have you been doing, people? (laughs) I mean, yeah, like you said, yeah. it's like this sort of eddying out here in the kiddie pool. 
you know, the wounded child end of the pool and not not completing your your process here so we can get into the ocean where there'd be sea monsters and things that need to be addressed. So yeah. And so I I I I I am happy about those shows about shamanic activism and there's some messages that came through really well, which is, you know, shamans have always been activists. What's the what's the big deal here? You know, right. Um, I mean, it's it's always it's contrary to new age beliefs. The shaman is often not the leader is often lives outside of the community and is actually more of a trickstery character that is really the activist that's that's constantly questioning and making sure that the people and all of their good intent are actually staying in harmony and good relationship with everything else in life because we do have a tendency to get a little bit solipsistic as a race um and that's the shaman's job is to keep that gap closed you know and now that gap is gigantic and exactly um, and we have I, i think I mean, you know, I'm not that old, but I have been doing this for 20 some years. It has radically changed in that time frame, at least in the modern psyche. Shamanism as a force, as a thing, has changed. And we have so many people waking up right now, whether it is feeling like, you know, their guides on some level are not as available or whether it is the political climate or the economic climate, um, so many people are reaching for something to help them and they know that what they've had up to this point isn't doing it. It's not working anymore. If, if that's a cosmology or, or what have you, it isn't working anymore. And I feel like as modern shamans, we have a real need to step in in an ethical way and give people, like you're saying, that a concrete redirection and a very realistic, nobody is going to do this for you. Yes, we can work together. Yes, you can show up and we can have this session or this class or whatever, but it's what you do in between the sessions that makes it work, that makes the difference. And that seems to have gotten lost somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so the so the question then it seems becomes if if we if we do accept that that in our in in a lot of what we um, are not doing in a sense just kind of the way that we live our life and assume that that's okay and don't investigate that more deeply so. It, it, in, in much of what we're not doing and awareness we don't have and then because we mm-hmm. are sort of in this swirling place of staying in this woundedness and, and looking at shamanism just as this sort of option for self-help, you know, that's created this certain dynamic right now. And I guess, I guess my question is, you know, how do we get out of it? How, how, I mean, I feel like there's the people you just described who are, who are waking up and are wanting direction. And then there's the people that are already in the kiddie pool, swirling in the wounded child end of the swimming pool. <laughs> and not, like you said, not completing their teachings, not, not walking the actual um, skills and beliefs and ideas that they've been taught in their everyday go to the grocery store life. You know. And then the next level I think is the people that have have really been at this for a long time and are teachers and do have the capacity to see things like this that like you did like we're having this effect you know you were looking at kind of this this time spirit of racism in your area of the world and and talking with it about how did it how did it become what it is and what does it need? You know, that not everybody has the chops yet to do that. <coughs> Excuse me. But it seems to me we need kind of a three-part three, three part plan or something like how do we actually start to respond to this? What could we do differently, I guess, is my question. So obviously – I mean, I know it gets frustrating. We want to just tell people to get their shit together, but that's not a very effective game I plan. I know. Yeah. 
<laughs> maybe. maybe I what think we say foremost, we have to be willing to look at the most glaring shadow in our lives. I mean, so many traditional shamanic paths really start with shadow. They don't work their way to it the way we kind of do in the modern set, but they start with shadow. And I think, I think there's merit in that. I think it's scary. I think it's upending, but, but when you can start with the shadow in your life that seems to most be challenging you, you, you earn a bit of a breather after that. You may not have a long one, but when you can start with what you know is truly the thing that is challenging you the most and get help in doing that, don't try to do everything by yourself. You have to have a dream team for this, you know, more than one person that you're more than one, perhaps approach that you're using, but you have to find a way to start with what you know is not working. And when yeah. you get that, when you, when you feel progress with that, it's time to start looking at the next outer ring. We, we don't get a reprieve. We, we get a breath, but we don't get to stop. We get to pause. We don't get to stop. So then another thing I think is how, how do we, I'm, 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 I have a, a new group of students coming into my community right now and, and there's, there's a great deal of churn as in this first week, frankly, of them being part of this community after their first week retreat. And I think that there is a place where, like you said, we need a dream team. And as we move through that and then we begin to look at what's next, there is an aspect of community that is important. And then in but in many ways, this is the next wound, which is we're pretty wounded around community as a as a as a group, at least the um, in the Western world, we are certainly those of us that are no longer living as our as our ancestors did, our ancient ancestors did. We're pretty wounded, and we we often come to community to to draw out of community the healing for that wound. And what I'm seeing again and again is that that doesn't work. That we need to come to community bringing medicine. And then the community becomes a medicine community instead of being a wounded community. I think that community makes all the difference. It's, it's, it's difficult to do in this Mm -hmm. culture. I I don't Mm -hmm. know why. And I, I, I hope that that is what we can tackle at this point. I tend to run into people who are kind of doing their own isolated thing in terms of practitioners, but they don't try to do anything to bring the community together between sessions and or between Mm -hmm. classes or or whatever. And that's where it really has to happen. Mm -hmm. And like you said, how you bring it together makes all the difference. If, If everybody makes the commitment to play to their strengths when the shadow stuff comes up, the group can handle it. And I just think that this is a piece that we, we have to pay attention to. And, and part of it is stepping us up then to the next thing, which goes back to the original sort of insight that you had that started these two shows rolling, which is the medicine. For the, uh, let me just backtrack a little bit. Part of Kelly's experience in tending to the spirit that needed help was the realization that her her efforts to assist was a bit like giving a dying patient morphine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, not for any lack of skill on Kelly's part, but just the recognition and, you know, of what is it that's really going on here? Like, what is the actual illness what you know what is the diagnosis and what is the remedy and so what what I'm tying this to community for is because these aren't things solo practitioners are going to be able to fix because no solo person it's you know it's not like some individual bad guy 
curse the eastern coast of North America with a curse right. of racism. You know, it's not like one bad guy we can go back to and unravel exactly. the curse and it's racism. Been thousands of years of perhaps bad guys, perhaps nobody doing anything and not, not doing anything to be custodian in those relationships. That's what I see more than anything. And by the time I showed up, they were like, we're done. <laughs> we're yeah. just done. Yeah. yeah. And so, so this whole ability to not only uh, move through our, our personal initiation, which is personal, and then, in a sense, move through another level of initiation around community and come to community in a different way because we need communal solutions because it's a communal yes. problem. And yeah. and I have offered, you know, for example, you you as well offer this, but we both <laughs> hmm, I wonder if this is why we like each other. We both do a lot of work with the dead and and the recognition of how we tend the dead matters. And so I've offered um, an opportunity for the for the many people that I've trained in the way that I work with the dead and clear these patterns in family lines to come together as a group and look at what could we do as a community of trained practitioners to deal with these these exactly these bigger issues. And everybody thinks it sounds great, but it, when it comes to valuing spending your time and energy and resources to come together to do this work that will not be a certification for you. It will not be a new feather right. in your cap. It is just service to the greater good. People don't show up. And I, I think they're happens. beginning to. I, mm. I think people are beginning so. to understand that. I mm -hmm. completely understand the dynamic you're describing and I, I don't I don't know if it's a timing thing or we're just that damn desperate, <laughs> mm -hmm. but it seems like people are beginning to understand we cannot do this alone. We we, we just yeah. can't function as cowboys. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so that's a piece I think that for those of us that have have moved through our initiation and have you know, move through these different layers and do kind of understand what we're talking about is, it, 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 I get for me, the, I can only speak to the change in me is that mm -hmm. I'm a really big introvert and I could have, I really feel like I could have lived happily ever after without community. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just I coming clean here. I'm coming clean. I know exactly right? what you mean. <laughs> and... <laughs> but, you know, again, that, you know, there was a reason that we lived outside the edge of the village. <laughs> right. right. There is that. And, you know, and in doing what I feel I've been guided to do, it's led me into teaching, into building community around these teachings, into the radio show, you know, all of these things that, whether I liked it or not, have created different sort of levels or qualities of community. And mm -hmm. uh, what's happened in doing that is is a community self has cult been cultivated within me when I wasn't looking. And my introvert <laughs> like to strangle it, right, <laughs> and tell it to go away. But it, it's really, it, it is strong in me. And it's not a community self that is that need, you know, that when am I going to find my community? When I find my community, right, I right. finally wake up. It's not that at all. It's more this communal awareness of my community responsibility, and 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 how how do how do I as an individual behave relative to this, you know, I can't find a better word for it, but basically the debt that humanity as a big community owes to this world mm -hmm. in which we live because we are a huge burden on this community on this on the world right now uh -huh. and 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 these energies that have been here to support humanity from the beginning are being changed and they are on their last leg and we're not showing up and in in force and and, and so part of what i found by just being willing to authentically and honestly and at times painfully and at times joyfully do the work that I'm given to do and not try to reinvent that to my own contemporary right. liking. It cultivates this community self that feels that responsibility that you're talking about to the middle world in a sense. 
And how do we then begin to, because it's only be, my point, I'm sorry that I've kind of forgot what I was making. My point is that, <laughs> you know, values putting my time and energy and resources towards those activities. My individual self still wants to go be left alone, but my community self values, you know, values it. And that's what I feel like we need to think about this cultivation of the aspect of ourself that does is not based on our wounds of community, but that the healing of the shadow there and developing this sense of responsibility, not just to other humans, but to, to the whole web of life. And be, so that we start to value putting our resources there. Not all of them, but some of them. You know, we, ha- we, have to, we, we have to do something. I mean, maybe we don't have to do something, but I don't really like the outcome of that. Right. Exactly. I mean, it's the problem with free will, right? We don't have to do anything. We don't choose to. <laughs> the question is, what are we going to choose to do? Right. Um, but And then what happens in the meantime? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think one of the things that I think I hear you saying, Kelly, because you said it actually earlier in the show is, you know, what are we affecting and, and understanding that both in its most positive sense and then its most damaging sense. But also, what are we not affecting? I think there's also an aspect of um, this contemporary expression of kind of modern shamanism of a lot of um, just throwing ceremonies and despachos and things out there in the world that may or may not really be affecting anything. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole sort of, well, you know, your intention is everything. That's all that matters. I don't need to circle back and see whether these efforts were right. effective. It, right. Oh, yeah. And that to me, you know, you use the word debt. The word that I frequently use is backlog that, mm-hmm. that you know, and I think that's like step two or depending on where you are in this this whole wonderful orchestration, step three or four. But there is a point where you realize that you more or less have your stuff together. You, you're more or less sitting in a good place. And so now it's time to look at those outer rings and explore what still needs healing that came before you. And how, how are we dealing with ancestral lines? How are we dealing with unquiet dead in our lives? I mean, to me, those are the two big things Right now, in in my own personal work, and in, in you know people who are coming to me, you know they're they're sitting in a pretty decent place. They're not in the whole self healing part of it. They're ready to sort of stretch out into that next ring of influence, and it it seems to be you know really working with direct ancestral lines to make sure you're not bringing any baggage to the to the table. And any death work around that that needs to happen, and and then you get to verge into maybe some choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and if, and in a sense, where where do you where will your gifts make you most effective and put you in a position mm-hmm. to gain the gifts that you could potentially gain in this life that you hand on to the next? And that's you know part of the thing of about choice is you know it's really meant to be there for us to be expressing that unique piece that we bring to the puzzle that is needed because mm-hmm. part of part of what is behind all of this for me is i absolutely trust with the gajillions of too many people that we have on the planet right now that the medicine the planet needs is there it's just latent right it's dormant Right. Right. It's not, it's not, it's not, we're not moving to a place, like you said, where we basically got it together. We can, we have resiliency, you know, we can go with the ups and downs. We don't get completely derailed for our, from our day because we're having a big emotion. Right. <laughs> right. So basically, exactly. you know, we've done the work. We can, we, we know who we are and what we're here to do. And like you said, we start to work on these outer rings and begin to really start to understand what is the medicine that I'm bringing to the world that meets a need in the world today. There's a reason we're here at this time. And that there's, you know, there's, there's, um, I feel like there's p- 
prayers, you know, that are that are calling out for that medicine to come in all over the place. You can look at it negatively and say our world's on fire, but you can also look at it in a sense positively, which is they're just these places that are calling out for the medicine that we bring. And if we can learn to work with our helping spirits and each other, you know, linking communities, you know, linking up these different power sources and orchestrate mm-hmm. them in a good way, I believe the medicine is here. But we, we, we need to understand that, you know, in this really literal, like you said, living in reality way, we are the people we're waiting for. <laughs> right. So we, we need to take responsibility to become them, like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. So what are you finding? Are there things happening in your life right now around this that, that give you hope, where you, where you do see a glimmer of, of, of it working? I, you know, I tend more toward the shadow stuff. I mean, just in my perspective, (laughs) I mean, all of it. And, and I'm finding, I guess in some, you know, Pollyanna way, I always thought that if I was going to have that resilience, as you said, to be able to cope with the things that come up in my life and and still sort of have a sense of duty, I thought I would be like kind of holly hobby or just, you know, turn golden or something. And what I'm finding is, no, if that hasn't happened, I still think I would have been sorted into Slytherin, but I can deal with all of it so much better. It's just, it's okay. And I wouldn't, I I use the word hopeful very cautiously. (laughs) I have a strange Mm -hmm. relationship to hope, but, but it just, for me, I feel over the last six months specifically, and, and, you know, I deal with a lot of health issues and I don't even play about that, but it just feels doable. And it didn't before. It it didn't before really calling myself to the carpet and saying, okay, this is it. It's, you know, you're, you're not getting younger. This is what you're here to do. This is what you're you're capable of doing. And all of a sudden, the shadow stuff just became doable. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't know. There was no magic wand. There was a lot of busting my ass for many, many mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And the pleasant discovery that when things get really difficult, all that stuff I learned actually works. Yeah. Yeah. It really does work. But you can't wait until you're in crisis to try to do it. You you can begin in crisis. But, but why? Why put it off when you can mm-hmm. learn the things to 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 be able to do your duty now mm-hmm. possibly when it's a little quieter yeah 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 so i had this moment that i thought was uh that to me it's I, I hope it's probably too strong a word but um they are the moments where i see how it can work i guess i would say it that way where so for example uh, in the student community, we have people that tend elemental shrines for the community. And so they learn the distinction between tending, for example, a water shrine for yourself mm-hmm. and doing it for a community. And mm-hmm. uh, and we've been doing this now for many years. And so it makes our arrival on a new location for a retreat. And then we open up the elemental shrines there and they're connected with the ones being tended by the community. So this huge burden that I used to have to do all by myself for every group is now shared in the community and it, and done much more uh, abundantly and graciously and much more robustly because of that, because more people are doing it. And, and at this point we have multiple shrine tenders for each element, you know, so it's a, so it's one of the things that's working pretty well. So anyway, my point is, uh, my assistant was there at a point in time when his wife is within weeks, if not while we were there, of having her first child. And there's a lot going on in his life. They were closing on their first house. He's about to have his first child and, it, and just really struggling to be present in the work, which happened to be mm-hmm. the shadow week. And he was really struggling one morning just because of a message he's received from her about the baby dropping into position and blah, 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 you know, and, and just the whole, you know, you can imagine, right? And he, right. he was just like, I don't know what to do. And... um the and I said just take it to the elements 
And so he went out to the shrines by himself and offered that just, I don't know what to do. And just like poured the whole thing out to the elemental energies, the straight elements, you know, the four elements in this very human place. And, and the, the answers that he needed to be able to do what he needed to do just snapped into place from each of the elements. And yeah. that he knew that his messages got taken where they needed to go, that his helping spirits were helping where they needed to help. It's like the elements took charge and just moved everything where it needed to go and helped him get back in the moment that to the best of his ability. And when that happened and he, he was just shocked by the sudden change of this huge upset he was in. And, and what I felt about that was, so it's working. So the fact that we have shrine tenders in this community and all that exactly. that sets up is setting up a position where this man could do what is impossible. It was really impossible to ask him to be doing what he was doing there when he should have been home with his wife. Um, but, it, but it worked and, and, every, and everything did get taken care of by by taking this to spirit and 10 years ago in the same situation when we didn't have the shrine tenders we would not have had that solution and that solution happened in about five minutes so i think relationship is everything so we can do this if we'll tend them yeah 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 but it also requires that I get up in the morning and I tend my relationship with the elements and not media or, you know, coffee or, you know, <laughs> I, right. you know we, we, we can't be an intimate relationship with absolutely everything, right? We have to choose and certain right, things right. are very contrary to being in intimacy with spirit and we have to start to, I mean, I find for myself, especially as I age, I have to let go of more and more of the things that do actually distract me from being able to move into deeper relationship with other humans and yes. then non-humans and that I, I don't have the luxury uh, to, to be quite as cavalier as I did when I was younger. Yeah, that it is, it is all about the relationships we choose to tend with our life force. Well, I, I think you're on to something with that and Again, since your last show, I have decided what I cannot do. Like truly, mm. that you know the 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 things that would be fun and wonderful to do it doesn't necessarily fit with what I'm here to do, and I have to make that hard choice. Yeah, and and making that choice has been clarifying. It's not just making the choice; it's opened me up to other things for things to move. And Kelly, I just want to echo that for listeners because I've experienced similar, you know, letting go of things I have a deep attachment or connection yeah. or love for. It's not easy to say, I'm not going to be able to do this too. <laughs> you know, if I'm going to do this, I'm, right. I'm not going to be able to do this and let certain things go. And and as you said, I, I totally agree that when that happens, truly, this clarity that I was you know, struggling for is suddenly there. And then, of course, I have yeah. to act. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> you, know. <Yeah. laughs> you know, like you said, we can't, we can't just sit back. Once the clarity comes, no. then we have to live into it. Yeah, again and again. Yeah. So, Kelly, do you have anything coming up for people who might be inspired uh, by this show to want to engage with you in your work? Anything that you want to talk about here at the end of our show um <laughs> the well i'm excited that the teen spirit guide to modern shamanism is going to be re-released under a new imprint so oh, great that, that's pretty exciting yeah i'm excited about that i suspect that will be later this year and for listeners that haven't heard that show is it seems to me that book is a good resource for parents looking at how to introduce shamanism to their children Period. I mean, it's exactly. kind of focused on teens, yeah. but it's but if you've got younger kids, it's still worth a read. I think. I fair? think that you know a lot of younger kids are probably already aware of a lot of the stuff in the book. They may just not be aware that it's an actual thing, and so it right. kind of pulls um, pulls a lot of different corners together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a be- and that is a really beautiful offering because I'm always surprised at how little there is out there about shamanism for children 
and 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 there's a lot of parents out there asking so that is a really good resource and they can do that at soul and they can get to it at soulintentarts.com yeah they can yeah yeah beautiful okay um so sadly our time (laughs) is run out once again uh kelly thank you so much for joining me let's just um if you find some next big sort of bubble of awareness around this come up just send up a flag and we'll just you know possibly keep coming back to this on this show so that people could link these shows together and maybe maybe get here faster than we did i don't know <laughs> that would be wonderful yeah yeah so just you know send up a little <laughs> i little told my intensive you know. people this morning i was like the last one of this series that we did was so intense i don't know how much catharsis i can handle right now <laughs> It was it was huge, and I, I really got so much out of it. So there's there's a lot moving, yeah. and there's a lot for us to move. Well, thank you, Kelly. Um, so everybody, Kelly Harrell, K E L L E Y H A R R E L L. Spelling is so important in the days of Google. Um, <laughs> so, <and> Kelly, <laughs> thank you for being with us here yet again and for continuing this conversation about maybe we should entitle it the things in contemporary shamanism nobody else wants to talk about well that's a good one (laughs) anyway so thank you for joining us here today we give thanks deeply deep thanks to the earth below the sky above to all the energies that gather around us here in our time here as the living and deep deep gratitude to the heart that unites us all thank you everyone have a good week